0: Well, good morning, 10.30, Good Shepherd. Good I am Talbot Spicy Davis. And, and I, I can't even say that with a straight face. I'm, I'm the pastor here at 9 o'clock and at 10.30. I'm really glad to connect with you. I know a lot of you are here live and, and others, you are live streaming. And this happens every week. Some of you are live streaming. Because you're trying to figure out, should I show up to that place in person? We really hope and we really pray that you will. We would love to see you. In the meantime, we do happen to believe that the Lord has a word for this re-series as this church talks about, thinks about beginning again and again and again in our, in li- in our lives. And having the kind of emotional and relational health that so many of us need. In this series, we have been through uh, talking about Rethink. And then it was renew. And last week it was recreate. And then today to wrap the series up, it's called repent. And to help us think about, move into a conversation about re- if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, and just keep your finger there. Maybe your Bible looks like mine, it kind of looks like a book, and you can flip through the pages, or uh, just as likely, your Bible's on your phone, and you can scroll there. If you don't have either of those options, that's okay. We're going to put the words up on the screen at the right time, and it's, it, it is, it uh, is unlike usually, we're really dialing in, drilling down into a single verse today, Matthew chapter four, verse 17. What you uh, may or may not know about the Bible, it depends on whether you've been here before or been paying attention before, but uh, one of those facts, and thank you for getting it, one of those facts about the Bible is that it's, it's often called the good book, best-selling book of all time. Actually, it is not a good book. It's a, the great library. Bible's not a book. It's a library, a collection of a lot of books written by a lot of authors over a long span of time. And here's the, the, the real kind of crowning touch of all that in multiple writing styles. And when we're in the gospel of Matthew, we're actually in the biography section of the biblical library Four biographers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one subject, Jesus. So that, that, those are facts. You may not have known them before. They're deeply true. This other thing that we believe at this church about the Bible uh, it, it is something that, that you may not share with us. And that's okay if you're investigating things. That's fine. Or you may love what I'm going to say. Or you may just be wanting me to go ahead and say what I'm going to say. But here it is. That in leadership here, we believe there's no other library like this. We, we believe that when Matthew wrote the biography of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit used Matthew's personality, but breathed life and truth into everything he said. So we believe that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction, we have a custom that we lift up the Bible when, when we talk about it. And, and uh, that if you've never been here before and, and you see this custom and you're like, well, that's unusual. Yeah, it is. We admit it. we've discovered something great. We discovered that this moment of oddity, it shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people who don't have life figured out, but we are so glad that the Lord does. And out of that joy that the Lord does, we surrender to his authority and we anticipate his truth breaking through in this place. Amen. And so uh, before we we pray, uh, before I before I say anything else we got a prayer. just one thing that I noticed today you I don't know if you it is so remarkable to see people of all generations and students in particular singing in our gathering it just may man there's just really nothing like watching young people and students sing with their hearts though I just that was free. You don't have to give a special offering for that. But I just want you to know how much that means to me, to, to look around this space and see that going on. Hey, let's pray. Father, you're a good God. You poured remarkable truths into Matthew. And as he conveyed the story of Jesus. So I, I just pray for a portion of what you poured out onto Matthew. Matthew. Fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with everything that's good and right and joyful and delightful about the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, do the same with everyone within the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the uh, first words said by important People on significant occasions really matter. The way people start out an initiative or an address or a talk has enduring, enduring impact. I mean, that that that's why when, when you hear the words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, you're like, ah, that's the opening of the Declaration of Independence. Or when you hear the words for score. And seven years ago, you're like, that is the start of the Gettysburg Address. Or if you hear those words, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, you're like, aha, That's Neil Armstrong being the saying, the first words ever said on the moon. The first words, the opening remarks of any one significant people on important occasions really set the tone for everything that follows. And some of you are sitting back and you're, you're like, well, Talbot, thank you for that quick tour of American history. And thank you for that little lesson in rhetorical flair. But what in the world does any of this have to do with God, Jesus, the Bible, and this series, Re for crying out loud? And the answer is everything. Because today we're, we're fixing to look at the very first words that Jesus speaks to usher in his public ministry. Now, it's not the first words that Jesus ever spoke because we're in, when we are in Matthew chapter four, we figure that Jesus was about 30 which means that he's been talking for about 28 years. Those of you who are parents, have been parents, remember what it was like. They, kids, you can nod. Kids start talking. at a. They walk at one. They talk at Are we in agreement? They walk at one. Unless they're geniuses, they walk at one and talk at two. And so Jesus learned how to talk when he was two, which just leads to this astonishing realization. That the gospel of John, one of the other biographies of Jesus, it calls Jesus the word, the the word at the center of the universe, the word who spoke the universe into existence. And and the Christmas story in John is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when you think about that, and you think about the fact that Jesus learned to talk when he was two years old on earth, it makes you realize that the word humbled himself so much he had to learn how to use words It's a toddler it's a mind bending when you think about it but these so these are not jesus's first words because he's been talking for 28 years and they're not even the first words that jesus speaks in the gospel of matthew but the words that he speaks in the gospel of matthew before these or to Satan, it's just Jesus and Satan together, which, which kind of makes you wonder, well, how did Matthew know? But that's another sermon for another time or another episode of The Chosen, however you want to do it. It's, a, it's a, another sermon for another, uh, uh, another time. So, so not his very first words he ever spoke and he even said something to Satan and Matthew, but are you ready? Are you ready to see the first words uttered by the most important person in global history, on the occasion of the launch of his public ministry, you're ready for it. It's Matthew chapter four and verse 17, where it says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and hear his first words, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And you're like, what in the world? Talk about letting the air out of the balloon. Talk about not reading the room. I mean, we want an ego boost. We, we want some hype. We want to feel good about ourselves if the Son of God comes to planet Earth. And the first word that he uses, the first word that he says is repent. I mean, honestly, isn't repent, isn't it, in 2024? Aren't we cool enough and we're advanced enough? Repent is one of those old-timey religious words that people used to use, but we put it up in, the, in an attic and, and kind of re- regarded it as a, you know the words I'm talking about that people use in church land, like fellowship and conversion and born again and tithe and, and hell. that We use that as a swear word, but we, all these words, we, we, we've just relegated to the attic of our conversation. And to the extent that we do use this word, repent, we use it to mock people, because usually we, we, when we talk about the word repent, we, we're kind of making fun of the preachers with a deep Southern accent who somehow miraculously managed to turn repent into a four-syllable word, you know, you know, re, <laughs> it. And, 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 and so we, we just, we, the world has taken the word from us, and we put it up in the attic, and then we look at these words, and you know, maybe... Maybe if the world has stolen that word from us, maybe it's time to steal it back. Maybe if we've even allowed ourselves to want to be cool rather than truthful and stop using that word, maybe it's time to use it all over again. Maybe it's time for us to read out loud and together collectively. These very first words spoken by the most important person in global history on the significant occasion of the launch of his public ministry. We're going to put that verse back up on the screen, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and we're going to read it. Read it like you mean it. It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Yeah, the word's been stolen from us and we are stealing it back today because think of all the things that Jesus didn't say as he launched his public ministry. He did not say, I have come to boost your self-esteem. Didn't say that. He, He didn't say, I'm here to let you do you. He didn't say it. I have come to help you discover your authentic self. He, he, he didn't say any of that modern drivel. He didn't try to pass on the collective wisdom, everlasting wisdom of a sports bar. He didn't do any of that. Instead, instead he gives us this word, repent. And do you know our issue with the word repent? We have been conditioned to think of the word repent as punishment. That, that if you're ever having a good time doing anything on the planet, oh, you better repent. You had fun at that party, repent. You fell in love with that girl, repent. You like that Taylor Swift song, repent. Okay, maybe that one's real. You... <laughs> you went to that movie, repent. You laughed at that joke, joke, repent. You are enjoying your life, Repent, repent, repent. We look at people and we see any time that they are enjoying any moment of their time on planet earth, well, they need to repent of that. We have been conditioned to think of repent as punishment. shepherd, good shepherd, no, no, no. Repenting is not punishment. It's privilege. That when Jesus says to us, repent, as his first words, he's not telling us, man, you are lower than a worm. He's not saying to us, eat dirt. He's not even saying to us, well, drink your water out of the toilet bowl. That's what you have to do. He's not saying any of that. His word, repent, instead is this this gracious invitation, good shepherd, because he is understanding, he is declaring that that you and I, because the word literally means to turn. That's what the the word repent doesn't mean to grovel, doesn't mean to despair. It literally means to turn. And it is Jesus's way of saying that you are going one way in your life. And the way that you're going in your life seems good to you. It makes sense to you. And it is actually lethal. And so when Jesus says, repent, it's his way of saying, turn away from your headlong rush into self-destruction and towards your divine destination. It's interesting a generation or so ago, there was a very well-known student ministry out of Oklahoma that was called 180. Now, it wasn't called 360 because 360 gets you exactly back where you were. I've had people, well, I've done a 360 in my life. And, oh, you're, so you're exactly where you were. No, the, 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 this, minute, this was a geometry lesson woven into a sermon. You're welcome. 180 is a, a, a complete turnaround. And, and so this ministry out of Oklahoma was called 180. Very influential. A local church, not us, a local church in, in our area. They found out about it and they decided to start their own and they called it The Turn. And they even had uh, kind of faux directional signals, road signs made up for, for the turn to get the kids to come to that youth ministry. And we've, you know, we've had our share of kind of clever titles for, for, good, for uh, student ministries around this church. You know what we call it today, the most clever title at all? You ready? Good Shepherd Students. How's that? I mean, we spent years trying to think of just how clever. We've, we've discovered that clarity is much better than cleverness. Can I hear an old amen for, for that? Anyway, I, I, I digress, which is kind of my favorite thing to do anyway. So when you understand that, that repenting is not punishment, it's privilege. And it, it's turn, turn from what is lethal to what is hopeful. And then you understand that Jesus' self-introduction, the first words uttered by the most important person in global history on the occasion of the launch of his public ministry is his gracious invitation because he recognizes that all that stuff that you're chasing after all those ways you hope to find meaning in your life, they are killing you. You you don't know it, but it is. And all that ways, all those ways that you try to find meaning in that next relationship In that next hit, in that next bet, in that next image on the computer, in that next encounter, all that stuff is killing you whether you know it or not. And it's killing you most powerfully when you don't know it. And so here is the takeaway. Here's what Jesus wants us to know. Here's what is behind that self-introduction term from what is killing you to who gives life. That's what he's saying. He's not saying to grovel. He's not saying to be miserable. He's not saying you can't enjoy life. In fact, he's saying you will have a deeper, truer, richer experience of life. Turn from what is killing you to who gives life. And when you understand that, when you understand these opening words, good shepherd, you will understand that repentance moves from a got to to a get to. Repentance moves from stop having so much fun, will you? To now you can start living for the first time in your life you can turn from what's killing you to who gives life. And the thing is that so many of you, especially if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never made that fundamental turn to have him as Lord and Savior, you know how deeply this is true. You know this is true. Because you know how all your pursuits for happiness and contentment in that next relationship, in that next pill, in that next drink, in that next time you cut, in that next relationship, you know that it, all those things you get, they never, ever are able to scratch at your deepest, deepest itch. You, you you think, oh man, this drink is gonna just give me a little bit of relief, or you, or, or you think, man, the, 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 this next encounter is gonna is gonna just make me feel a little bit better, or, or or you think this next pill, that'll help me get the get through the day. I'm just getting a little buzz to get through the day, and all it does is hollow you out and make you want even more the next time. You 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 and some of you especially if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you realize even today that you're not happy unless you're unhappy. And if you ever find yourself in that surprising place of contentment, why well, I, I don't know how to deal with this current temporary happiness. I'm gonna go ruin it. And so you do. Or you chase down someone else's drama and you claim it as, as your own you know all this stuff is true about you. You just have never had someone tell you it so plainly before. Turn. It's not a punishment. It's a privilege. Turn from what is killing you to who gives you life. Now, in the biggest of pictures, you, you repent once in your life, in the biggest of pictures. One big Turn you, you stop living for you and you start living for Jesus. That is the one big repentance. For me, it happened January 7th, 1979. When, uh, I, and I had no language for atonement or conversion or, or crucifixion or even Jesus dying for my sins. I just knew because my BFF told me in unforgettable language, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you want to be on his side because his side wins. And if you're on the losing side, that's a loss from which you can never recover. And I was like, okay, I am convinced I want to be on team winner Jesus instead of team loser Talbot. And so that was my my big one time opponent. It makes me think of the guy who, uh, back in the church that I served in Monroe, North Carolina in the 1990s. And he was probably 48, 49, and he became a Christian. It was so cool and he sent me a note about becoming a christian and 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 the note finished with there is life after 40 (laughs) and so there is and after 50 and 60 and 70 and there is eternal life after that and if you have never said yes to Jesus. If you've been so wrapped up in trivial pursuits that you've never allowed yourself to be caught by the eternal pursuer, I just pray that today you will be swept up in his love and his goodness and you will make that fundamental turn from the vanity of living life for you to the beauty of living life for him. Turn from what's killing you to who gives life. But then after, after that one big repentance, there's a million little ones to follow. Because for those of you who've said yes to Jesus and, and, and you, you've experienced this, there's a million little repentances to follow because all of us have baggage from before Jesus And we bring that baggage with us into our relationship with Jesus. And that baggage that we bring, for some reason, it doesn't magically disappear. I wish it would, but it doesn't. That baggage that we bring into our lives with Jesus, it is cunning. It's baffling. It's dangerous. Usually, it's it's those things that happen in secret. Not always. or, or, Or usually, it's those things that are invisible to you but everyone around you knows of that about you. And that's why when I talk about the million little repentances that we bring into life after Jesus, that's why when Jesus begins, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a turn. And once you made that big turn, keep turning, turning, and turning. And that's why for some of you, it is that temper that you're like, well, I have it. I might as well use it. And the people who should love you the most are terrified of you. And you need to repent. And others of you, it's that way that you spend 10, 12 hours straight, consecutively on the computer. A time during which nothing good happens and you need to repent. And others of you, it is that way that you really have fallen victim to the idea that just one more drink won't hurt. Just one more pill is exactly what I need. Just one more bet and I'll make up for all the losses I've had in the 10 bets before. And all that stuff, it's baggage from before that you bring into baggage with and it is killing you. And it's not the fundamental turn because you already said yes to Jesus, but you're not walking in much faith and you're not walking in much victory. And so that word repent, the million little repentances applies to you. It's why I love that guy who who got baptized here. Man, big turn for Jesus. And then about three months later, I didn't know this was part of his life. Three months later, he he says to me, you know, I've, I've been trying to coexist with Jesus and marijuana and it does not work. No, it doesn't. And he was able to look death straight in the face and turn away from what was killing him. Hallelujah is right. And two, what gives life? Big repentances followed by a million little ones. Not punishment, but privilege to live in the fullness of life. And I know that you know exactly which repentance is yours today and all this is why we really really believe in the regeneration ministry that starts on tuesday and we're going to have a, i'm going to put the the ways that you can sign up for it even right now going to throw it up on the screen and i just encourage you go ahead and take out your phone because some of you are stuck some of you aren't happy unless you're unhappy. Some of you got, you know, you need a million little repentances and regen is the place where you need to be. And, and I just want you to know, hear this regeneration is not behavior modification. It's soul rejuvenation. It's not you trying harder. It's you trusting more. It's not about what you're going to do. It's what Jesus is going to do in you and through you. And if you're like, I don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday. well, you show up on Tuesday at 630? We already have well over 70 people. I've been praying today. Let's get it over 100 I mean, we've got a lot of people here. We had a lot of people at nine. We have people over in the living room uh, speaking Spanish, 100, 150 people or so over there. We, With all these people at this church and all you tuning in, man, we can get way over 100 people because there's all, more than 100 people stuck. So you show up on Tuesday and you'll be introduced to six weeks of ground. What am I signing up for? Six week of, weeks of ground work that will be liberating. And after those six weeks of groundwork, we believe that you'll be in small communities that will exist together for, for months, even up to a year after that. That, that is, you know, oh, I, I can't afford all that. You can't afford not to. And so we just really believe in this ministry because the regeneration material gets it, that it's not what you do, it's what Jesus does. Turn. Turn what's killing you to who gives life. It's kind of funny, when I was about nine years old, this is like 1990, <laughs> spicy Talbot, okay, it was, it was 1970, uh, my family, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and my family took a trip due west from Dallas, Texas to Abilene, Texas. You ever driven through West Texas? There is nothing there. It's flat, it's scrubland, there are tumbleweeds, it is monotonous. The only entertainment in that endless drive from Dallas to Abilene is counting the cows. That's all there is. And so we got out there to Abilene and, and, and we spent a few days in Abilene doing whatever it is you do in Abilene. And then we drove back, thank the Lord, to Dallas. And the trip back went like that. In my nine-year-old brain, I was like, whoa, we just got in the car, and now we are home. And isn't it always that way? That running away takes forever. Coming back happens so quickly. And it turns out that coming back and coming home is what you wanted all along. Turn. Turn from what's killing you to who gives life. Here's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite all of you to rise on your feet. Go ahead, rise on your feet, all of you. We've got some prayer friends who are gonna be making their way up to the front part of this church. And we're gonna be singing a song and and singing it softly. And, And I've been thinking about this Sunday for weeks and weeks now, and I don't always join our prayer teams up at the front, but I'm going to today because we know that we've been praying for really a spirit of repentance to sweep through the church. And some of you want to turn and you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And as we're singing the the song, you get out of your seat and and you come forward and you repent and you pray to say yes to Jesus. And if you're, well, how do I get past the people who are next to me in this room? They'll make room, they're nice. And others of you When I talked about a million little repentances, you you knew that was you. And here's your chance to be honest because so much of what you need to repent of is secrecy and dishonesty. And here's your chance to be honest with someone who loves Jesus and would love to pray with you and for you. So we're singing a song and guess what it's all about? It's all about coming to the altar. And won't you do just that band